Hi everyone, this is Allie Duff and I am your host for the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. Throughout this podcast, we will explore honest, vulnerable, and unfiltered conversations with people who inspire me the most. These conversations will dive deeper into where our guests have been, how they got started, and where they are going. The topics will range from careers, starting a business, following your passion, living life outside of the culture's norm, and of course, my fave, mental health. The Feeling Good Sometimes podcast was truly created to remind you that it's okay if you don't feel good every single day. I surely don't. And of course, I am always here to remind you that you are never alone in your journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. I am your host, Ali Duff, and I'm so excited that you're back for today's episode. Today, we are chatting with Meg Dahl, and this episode is really interesting. Like, I found it so interesting. I learned so much, and I'm so excited for you to hear what we talk about. So we talked a lot about um, somatic experiencing, which I had never actually heard of. Um, we talk about parts work. We talk about your central nervous system and how that relates to any traumatic events or experiences that you may have gone through as a child or just in your life in general. Yeah, and we talk a lot about kind of like the differences between um, kind of like how your thoughts can relate to your central nervous system and the impact it has and how to separate those. But also we dive a little bit into what is trauma and kind of how it's become a little bit stigmatized over the years and just that the effects that your version of trauma can have on your body um but yeah i found this episode really interesting which you can tell from like just me talking and i really hope you love this and meg was so amazing to connect with so here's today's episode Hey Meg, welcome to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the name of your podcast. Mm -hmm. I just have to say it's so good. <laughs> I know it's so good because let's be real. We don't feel good all the time. So no, we don't. <laughs> speaking of that, um, I start every episode by asking how you're feeling. So how are you feeling? I love that. So I'm feeling okay today. Today has been kind of like up and down in terms mm -hmm. of how I've been feeling before we hit record. I was just telling you how we were just away and recently yeah. came back from some travel. And the next week I'm leaving again for some travel. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but it takes me a while to kind of like feel myself again after I'm traveling, whether that's mm -hmm long drives in the car or mm -hmm. flying I just kind of get a little wonky after traveling mm -hmm. so I feel like it's a mix of that and also not feeling like I can really ground because I'm leaving again next week mm -hmm. so I've just been kind of not feeling totally myself ever since we came back but today has been a little bit better the sun is shining and I was kind of feeling like dysregulated this morning. And luckily I didn't have calls or any commitments on my calendar this morning. And I have a little fur baby. So I spent mm -hmm. all morning with her nice. and we had a lot of fun together. So that, that always helps. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm feeling in a long winded version, which no, I, I love not, it. I'm not concise. So <laughs> no, I I love it. I try to like get people to say like how they're actually feeling, not just kind of like the the one word answers that we're so used to saying when people ask and we're just like, we're fine, we're good. I, I like I'm good. so I'm so like robotic when it comes to that. And people are like, How are you? I'm like, good. <laughs> How's it going? Good. I just like don't want to dive into it, but like that's what this whole podcast is all about. But yes. yeah, I totally feel that with traveling. And I feel like there's people out there that trouble all the time. It's just kind of like who they are. And it's just kind of like they're used to that in their routine. And that's totally fine. And then there's other people that when you do travel, it takes a lot out of you. 
And I think it depends on like how much you travel and what your day to day life looks like. But yeah, whenever I have to like go somewhere and then come back, I'm like, I need a week to recover and then get back into it. Yes, totally. And like I came back and I gave myself a couple days, but then I had a full week of clients. And I thought, you know, a couple days would have been enough. But no, I just, yeah, I needed a little bit more time, but it's been fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing good. I had some chocolate before this. Nice. So that made me happy and yeah. <laughs> feeling good. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so you're fearing that you see clients. What do you do in terms of like, what are your clients for? Yeah. Like, what do I do on a daily basis kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So I actually, it'll be like almost a decade now of having oh, wow. my own private practice. So I did go, I actually lived in Ontario for a period of time. I went to university. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brescia University out in London, Ontario, but that's where I'm part of it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well known for their nutrition and dietetics program. Okay. So when I was growing up, and now I'm like taking way, way back. So here's me like answering the question with a whole other story, you know, but that's (laughs) just who I am. So yeah, growing up, I dealt with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And when I was experiencing anorexia during high school, I was working with this really amazing dietitian locally. And, you know, when you just work with someone in your life, or you have someone in your life, and sometimes they inspire you to, Mm -hmm. like, kind of be almost like a version of them. And Mm -hmm. anyways, my dietitian helped me so much. And I was like, if I could help one person, like she helped me, I would be so happy with my life. So Mm -hmm. she was a dietitian, and I was kind of like mentoring under her at some points, like once I was recovered and going through university. But yeah, I moved out to London, Ontario and started studying dietetics. And so that's kind of like where my business kind of started. I finished my dietetics degree. And it was in my fourth year of university that I realized like, wow, I actually don't want to be like this dietitian in a hospital working with clients that way. I've always been very much like entrepreneur-like, you know, mm-hmm. I, my dad, both of my parents actually are entrepreneurs. So I oh, just well, kind yeah. of grew up in that world. And um, I, so I finished my dietetics degree and then moved on to study holistic nutrition okay. through the Canadian School of Di- um holistic nutrition. And so I started my private practice back in 2014 and started working with clients that way. But because of my personal experience with eating disorders and recovery and just like body dysmorphia, body image stuff, I've always attracted those clients into my life. And like, that's my jam. Like I love working with people in that area And so that's really where my practice took off and like the type of clients that I work with, but the ways in which I work with clients have definitely changed over the years. So Mm -hmm. what started with kind of like a holistic nutrition focus almost a decade ago has now turned into something more like body-based. So Mm. I am currently about to complete my third and final year of somatic experiencing certification. And that's really like this body-based approach to healing our nervous system and also trauma that's stored within the body. Mm. And so really like my experience with eating disorders has really like paved the path to where I am today and kind of like understanding, you know, I know you'll probably relate with this, but I, like I said, I was inspired to go study food and nutrition and become a dietitian. However, like recovering from an eating disorder, like it's not about the food, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's we really have to work with the body and the trauma that's holding being held in the nervous system and in the body. And so that's really what um, the work that I do through somatic experiencing and parts work allows me to do with my clients and support them um, in healing. And I mean, not all of my clients have eating disorders or have had them in the past, um, but a great deal of them have had some type of food issues or body image issues. And I think that's I mean, it's such a real thing for so many women in our world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially in the year that we're in. Right. <laughs> um, when you started like 2014 with holistic nutrition, was that like big then or not really? No. It's so- like, I'm trying to think back to 2014 and I feel like I would have been like, psh holistic nutrition I feel like that would have been kind of like taboo almost yeah well you kind of like totally hit it on the nail because I was completing my dietitian degree like my dietetics degree pardon me and all of my friends who were graduating with me I think they all kind of were pretty confused about like Meg, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just like finish your degree, become a dietitian, mm-hmm. you know, like follow the usual steps. And I've never been one to just kind of like do the yeah. like kind of like the normal path or what most mm-hmm. people are doing. Um, I tend to make things a little unique and different. So, anyways, I I just had like this in intuitive sense or feeling that like I needed to continue my studies. And I really wanted to start to learn about food kind of like outside of the macronutrients and calories, right? Because I think when we struggle with our relationships with food, we're really stuck in that mentality. And we're seeing like food as numbers or grams of protein or grams of carbs or grams of fat. And I really wanted to start like seeing, for an example, like a whole egg as this thing that could help me in all of these different ways, right? Right. I I really wanted to take that different approach and like learn it that way for myself too. So to answer your question, like back in 2013, 2014, because Mm -hmm. that's when I started the program was 2013, you know, it was definitely not something that it is today. Right, mm-hmm. because I think now a decade later, right, yeah. we have a whole, um, you know, people aren't rolling their eyes when they hear yeah. holistic nutrition now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because when you do go through like the eating disorder treatment kind of route, if you are doing it through kind of like a program or hospital setting or anything like that, obviously nothing is holistic based. It is all like. You have to eat this many calories. You like where I went, it was on like a point system. Like mm-hmm. it's all about like you have to have this many carbs, this many proteins. Like this food doesn't count unless it has this on it. Like it's all so nothing. There's no holistic approach to. Well, I would, I mean, there could be in some degree a holistic approach to recovery depending on what route you take. But when you're thinking of like the healthcare system related to it, there's no holistic approach. So it's really interesting that you chose to go that way, which is really cool, actually. Yeah. I just felt like that was kind of a missing piece in my journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess everything that I've now studied over the past decade has been kind of because of what I felt was missing in my journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm like learning everything now and what I'm almost 30 and I'm still like figuring it out. Right. So it's kind of like it is a very large missing piece because it's not I guess it's not an area where healthcare is going to like invest in. And if you think about like being in a hospital setting, they're not going to like invest in like organic food or anything that's like really good for you. (laughs) It's just like all not good for you but that's not their concern right they're just like more concerned about getting you like weight restored so that you can like go and then they can pump the next person through so right it's very much like weight restoration focus yes that's such a like it's 
a piece to the puzzle, mm-hmm. but like it's not the puzzle, not the only mm-hmm. piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. There's so much more to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's this whole like, so you're currently working on somatic, what did you call it? Somatic? Yeah. Somatic experiencing. Yeah. So, so what is this? Yeah. So, so somatic curious. experiencing specifically because there's somatic work, but then if you're connected with or you know of someone who goes as like a somatic experiencing practitioner, that means that they've gone through this three-year program that was founded and created by Dr. Peter Levine. So he's like the founder of somatic experiencing. And so what this is, it's a body-based approach. So Mm -hmm. we're not like doing all of this healing cognitively. It's working with like, basically, I like to say it's like neck down. Okay. I'm not the only one who said that, but I like describing it that way because I think so much of what we think healing needs to be is like, you know, I'm sure you felt this way or heard this before where, oh, like if I could just change my mindset or I just like right. need to think differently or, you know, we, we feel like we need to talk things over, over and over again until mm-hmm. you kind of like come to this end resolution. But what somatic work is, is we're working neck down with the body and the nervous system. Okay. Because when we go through life, so part of the human experience, like we're all going to experience trauma. Mm -hmm. Now, I think as we're talking about trauma-based healing or trauma-informed healing and somatic work on this show, I think it's also important to talk about like what trauma actually is, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me sharing Oh, please that, do. Yeah. Because, because there's so I, much stigma around trauma. Yeah. And I think we hear that word a lot. And especially like on my Instagram feed, I, I feel like I'm hearing that word a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to actually just kind of like define what that actually is because I think a lot of us think and I know years ago I thought trauma was like an actual event right it's like this event was traumatic so for an example like you and I have both gone through eating disorders in our Mm -hmm. life right that's a really big event for our nervous system so yes we could say like an event or we may have thought at one point in time that like an eating disorder is traumatic or war is traumatic, right? Or a really terrible car accident is traumatic. But the thing about trauma is it's actually not the event. It's how whatever experience impacts Mm -hmm. our nervous system. So it's kind of like the end result, the impact of an experience, right? So all of us have gone through life and have gone through certain experiences that have impacted our nervous system in a certain way. And when we go through these certain experiences, we have these brilliant self-protection responses that come online. And you've probably heard of a few of them before. That's our sympathetic nervous system. So that fight or flight response, Mm -hmm. right? That's a self-protection response. Mm -hmm. And then we also have that dorsal response so that and like the dorsal is also sometimes referred to as freeze but I don't really need to like get into it but that's kind of like this combined state of like sympathetic and dorsal is this freeze Mm -hmm. so we have these brilliant self-protection responses that come online and when we experience something in life that happens that too much or too fast or too soon for our nervous systems, then these self-protection responses don't have the time and the space to actually complete. So then our nervous system is impacted by that experience and holding on to that trauma or that dysregulation in the system. And so what somatic experience allows us to do is actually work with 
the nervous system and release that and also help complete those self-protection responses that weren't able to have that time and space to do that at the time of the event. Mm. Well, yeah. So like, yeah. So when we think of trauma, instead of thinking of like, I guess it's what happened to us. It's instead of like how our body, what our body went through to like, it's like how we were survive it. Right. Yeah. So I guess another really great example, I kind of like using this one, you know, I'm an only child. Are you an only child too? No, I have a younger sister. You have a younger sister. Okay. Why did I think you were an only child? So you have a sister. Mm -hmm. So this is a great example, right? Like the two of you can grow up in the exact same household with the exact same parents and go through very similar life experiences, right? But you both can leave that experience with two being impacted in two totally Mm -hmm. different ways. Right. And even like, or two people in the same car getting in the same car accident, right? right? They can leave that accident feeling totally fine. One of them might be able to like jump in a car right after and like nothing happened, Mm -hmm. never think about it again. But the other one may be impacted in a totally different way and may struggle even getting into a car again Mm -hmm. for a very long time right and that's nothing to do about like the person or their ability it's how that event or that how that experience impacted their nervous system okay Yeah. yeah so it like really comes back to the whole fact that you can't like compare one person's trauma to another person's or like no one's trauma is bigger than someone else's or no event Mm -hmm. that is going to create that constant trauma is more I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of like because when growing up when you think of trauma it's like oh like someone got shot someone got in a car accident like Someone was abused. Yeah, abuse. uh, Someone's parent died. Like, it's something, like, really, really massive, like, really terrible that's happening to you. And Mm -hmm. it's usually something that, like, people can label or it's, like, something that people can understand. And then they're like, oh, that was so traumatic. Like, oh, my gosh, you went through that. Like, I'm so sorry. But, like, we can experience trauma or experience the way our body can go through trauma on like a daily basis depending on what it is right absolutely so I really like thinking of you know it in terms of is there something or what happened that felt too much or too fast or too soon for your nervous system Mm -hmm. right so for an example I I work with a lot of women in my practice and women who might struggle with like body image issues Mm -hmm. that sort of thing And I mean, going through puberty, like puberty itself isn't traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. But if we don't have that support, the education in our life, or those people around us that support us through that time, that there's a lot of changes happening to our bodies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that like, an age where it feels like, wow, I'm not ready for this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've done a lot of work with my clients around puberty and supporting their nervous system in like working through that. It's pretty incredible. That's so cool. I mean, that's even like when people lose their virginity too. Like if it's not a good experience, that's like, like think about how that can trickle on down the road. Absolutely. There's so really like the examples and the topics are truly endless, right? Even just um, early childhood trauma. It doesn't, again, like going back to what you said, it doesn't have to be like this obvious thing. But for an example, like when I was born and very, very young, I was hospitalized for ear infections. You don't really think about like that being traumatic, right? Right. But when we're young, our ventral vagal nervous system, so that's the state of our nervous system that we're in when 
we're like feeling safe, present, connected. So it's like this state of regulation and safety, right? That's not fully developed Mm -hmm. when we're young. So when we go through something like having these terrible ear infections and being hospitalized for that, when that state of our nervous system isn't even developed and we need Mm. our caregivers or the people around us to help us with that. That's very traumatic. Oh my gosh. We're like, I think we're very similar. (laughs) I didn't have infections, but like I had a lot of problems with my like um, tonsils and adenoids and had to get Mm -hmm. like them removed. And the experience to have that surgery was terrible terrible like I didn't want to have the gas mask because I was just like petrified of them putting something on my face and I think I was like seven or eight so that's pretty young um and so I was like do the needle like put the the needle like they would I don't know if they still do this now but they would do it through like your vein to pump something into you to like put you to sleep um Mm -hmm. and they couldn't find a vein so like I was just like I think they let one of my parents come in to like hold me to pin me down to put the mask over my face and I was just like yeah. yeah so you can see that right and like yeah. this is even taking us like further into this but like you have a memory of that right, right. I don't have any memory of being in the hospital with ear infections right because I was like not even one, right? Like very, very young. Like I have zero memories, but that's, those are two perfect examples. Like you can have a memory of something that was extremely too much for your nervous system at the time, just like you described for us. Right. Yeah. And then you can also not have a memory at all. Like you can know something happened and because it happened, your nervous system is still holding on to that story. Right. Right. Right? And so this is, you know, now kind of getting back to explaining a little bit more about what somatic work is Uh and um, just understanding it more. It's like we're not following that story that we remember cognitively. Right. Right. So maybe in like traditional kind of like talk therapy settings. right? Right. Which I'm I want to make clear like there's nothing wrong with that like I love that Mm -hmm. I've worked with so many therapists in my life and it has been so healing to me so I just want to make that clear right yeah but we can follow like that cognitive like memory story right right and like somatic experiencing gives our nervous system the time and space to tell its story Mm -hmm. and share that story um, through the felt sense. So that's another thing that I think um, maybe our listeners could walk away with from this episode is actually understanding how the nervous system communicates, right? So in a traditional kind of like talk therapy setting, we're sitting there, we're talking about, about the event, kind of like what you just shared with me, right? Yeah. Like, hey, I was having this procedure done, I didn't want this gas mask done, and we're following that cognitive story. Whereas in a somatic experiencing setting or through a somatic lens, I'm very concerned about what your nervous system is doing. And the way that our nervous system communicates is not through that spoken language that we're using right now to communicate, but through the felt sense. So for an example you know, you might start talking to me or sharing with me that like, hey, like I had this experience when I was like seven years old. And I remember like not wanting to put this gas mask on, right? And remember how I said trauma is something that happens too much, too fast or too soon for Mm -hmm. the nervous system. So that tells us that when this experience is happening, we don't have a lot of time for the nervous system to kind of like organize, right? And make sense of everything. Mm -hmm. And so in a somatic session, we really give the nervous system time to speak using that felt sense. 
and give that time to process and integrate it's it's really incredible and I think it's um cool like I'm like okay I want to do this but like so how do you do this like I'm because obviously so do you have to do it in person like or no? no, I work with, so I actually have no in-person clients okay. where I'm sitting right now is where I see all of my clients on zoom. So I mean, oh, okay. all of my clients on zoom, I have no local clients. I have clients out in like BC. Most of my clients are in the States. Some of my clients are out in Europe and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Cool. But um, so I work with clients all over the world, but you know how amazing Zoom is, right? Like it actually feels Yeah, like I just wasn't sure if you had to like, yeah. like feel, I don't, cause you know, right. no, yeah, I'm just curious, is- like what you do in a session to help people figure out, because if you can't remember like, mm-hmm. as you were saying, like, you were a child, like, a baby, basically, having these ear infections. And that was obviously a lot on your nervous system. But if you can't remember, like, your body obviously holds way more that your yes. your mind can remember. So how do you work through that? Yeah. So when, and this is a great question, by the way. And I want to just say that I did not fully understand what somatic experiencing was until I started doing my own sessions. Right. And so I think like we can talk about what it is and try to give everyone a really good understanding of what it is. And I don't think anyone, and I feel like all somatic practitioners will say the same thing, but like you won't fully understand until you do it. Right. Right. Until you're like, wow, okay, I get what it means for my nervous system to like release its story. Right. Okay. Going back to, because I want to do my best at trying to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously, everyone's different. Right. Like, exactly. It's for like anything that a body is going to, anything we're going to do to a body or like healing. So, yeah. 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 So, somatic sessions are slow. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a much slower session than what you would be used to if you do see like a traditional talk therapist. Mm -hmm. I would say that um, you want to, and I always kind of give my clients a heads up on this too. They're always great. They love when I pause them, but we want to be like, okay with the practitioner that we're working with to pause Mm -hmm. us. And they're not doing this because they like interrupting you. But the pause gives the nervous system a time to share its story. Now, remember, the nervous system communicates through that felt sense, right? Right. And so maybe this was true for you, maybe not. But when we're recalling a story, right, maybe that story of like not wanting to put that gas mask on, I would like I would pause and I'd be quite curious. What's Mm. happening in your nervous system right now? Like, what are you Mm -hmm. noticing? Maybe there was like a little bit of tingling coming up, right? Maybe Mm. there was a little bit of like a heaviness in your Mm -hmm. chest. I'm not sure. But sometimes those are the things that might come up when you start to share a story, right? right? And so we pause there. And so we pause like that cognitive story and we get really curious about that sensation that's happening, right? Uh-huh. And start working with that. Cool. This is yeah. so cool. So this is kind of like, I have this book, but I haven't read it. Like the body keeps the score. Is this based on this? 100%. Or- okay. okay. So Peter Levine didn't write that book, but that if you, I'm, I'm looking over there right now because the book's right there. Okay. But if you read that book, you would have a really great understanding of what somatic experience is. I need to read the book now. I've had it for like probably two years. I just haven't touched it. But um, hey, that happens. But like, and look where we are, right? Like I I feel like everything happens. Like maybe you weren't meant to read it until now, you know? Yeah. This is so cool. So um, what was I going to ask? I don't know. I'm just like mind blown because I feel like we do so much therapy, like, and we tell people to do therapy. And especially when you go through like, I don't know, any mental illness, like 
the biggest thing they push on you is therapy. And that's, I mean, I, it does work. Like, I'm not going to say yeah. don't do therapy because it is like, I believe everyone should be in therapy. Like, I just think it's amazing. But mm -hmm. I do feel like I actually got lucky with the, the last therapist I was working with because she, when I first started working with her, I was like in a chronic state of like stress, like constantly mm -hmm. stressed. And whenever I'm stressed, it like really affects my mental health. And so mm -hmm. she kind of, I think probably it took us like almost two years to work towards like an area where when I get super stressed, I have to like tune into the way my body reacts. And then I kind of like work on a scale. So it's like trying to figure out, okay, if my body reacts this way, then we're like working up, my body is like going up the scale. And when I was really stressed, it would go from like zero to a hundred, like in a mm -hmm. second, right? Where yeah. now it's like, I have more awareness around kind of like what my body does. Yeah. So, it sounds like you have like more capacity too. Yeah. Right? So, like, because we, so the goal in healing is not to be like regulated and chill. Yeah. Like, you know, like, all the time, <laughs> all the time. Like that's, you know, and I really want to go back. I talked about those self-protection responses before, yeah. right? We need those. Yeah. Those aren't bad things. Like yeah. those are literally here to help us survive in life. Right. right? Yeah. But it's when we're chronically stuck yeah. in that sympathetic state or chronically stuck in that dorsal state, right? That's mm -hmm. not what we want. So what regulation actually is, regulation isn't being in that ventral state all the time. It's yeah. being able to like be flexible within right. those states, right? And right. what I hear you're saying is like, you still get activated, obviously, like all of us, yeah. right? But it's not like you're it's not so intense as before mm -hmm. and you're probably able to like come back into regulation easier mm -hmm. than what you were before. Right. You're not like yeah. getting stuck in that self-protection state. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's like, a sign of healing. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I got lucky that that's what my therapist focused on because she could obviously recognize that I was just like in a state of just like the whole time and just like, yeah. and it is like, I mean, a lot of, I do find that a lot of people with like a background of eating disorders is that you can't regulate yourself because you're just like, well, there's a lot of physical things to it, obviously, like your body is so malnourished that it can't even function how it's supposed to function and it's, when we're malnourished we're in a sympathetic state yeah we're right? like it's trying to yes. survive and it's just like running off whatever energy it has to just like keep yes. going it's it's just like it is in a state of survival so you're yeah. totally right you're not in that ventral state yeah and, and that is why like working with a practitioner is so helpful because there's something called co-regulation right mm. when we're not able to regulate on our own and that's not a bad thing right like many of us have gone through times in our life where that's not something that's like accessible for us at that time right mm. and we do need that person to help us regulate and that's called co-regulation and that's a brilliant thing that's a tool that so many of us need like we all need that in our life mm -hmm. right I talked about at the beginning of this episode I was feeling quite dysregulated this morning and right. I leaned on my puppy all morning right. and she our our dogs or our cats or whatever pet you have they're mm -hmm. amazing co-regulators right, right. so it it's sad when we hear people going through eating disorders, like who feel like they have to do it alone, alone. right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I should be able to do this on my own. I know everything. Like I should, you know, there's so many yeah. expectations we place on ourselves and we think we should, and it doesn't even like, it, it doesn't start and stop at eating disorders. It's yeah, I was going to say so that's like everyday life, that, right? Yeah, like people think that they should 
be able to do this on their own. And I just want to like highlight the importance of co-regulating with someone, you know, and if, if that is a practitioner, that's awesome. But if that's your furry friend, that's great too. Mm -hmm. Right. But that that's a piece to our healing for sure. Right. So co-regulating just means like you have some like an external person or thing to kind of like. Yes. Yeah. So co-regulating with like a practitioner, for an example. So part of like my job working with clients, I need to be like anchored into that ventral state for my clients, right? right? So their nervous system can go through whatever activation it needs to during our session. And I'm here as an anchor for them to mm-hmm. anchor into that ventral state. Right. So yes, co-regulation is regulating with another nervous system that's anchored in okay. that ventral state. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. Learning so many new things. That makes me happy. I'm glad. That's super cool. So what <laughs> yeah, what made you want to like get into this? So many things. I suppose just kind of going back to what I said, like that recovery isn't about the food. Yeah. And you know, I had my like I had a journey with food, but then also body stuff, right? Yeah. They went hand in hand for me. Yeah. And kind of like I said before, I could talk and talk and talk and talk about how I felt. And I only got so far with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just always felt like something was missing. Like I always like, even if I wasn't struggling with an eating disorder anymore, even if I was recovered from anorexia, like I felt like I was holding on to like, there was these lingering bits, I call them like it was these lingering bits. And it wasn't until I found somatic work and parts work that I was really able to heal my nervous system and completely um, recover, not just kind of like on the outside to everyone else, but to me, like I was like, yeah. Yeah. So what's the difference between somatic and parts? Because you you keep saying somatic. Yeah, I, I mentioned that, are they like work. hand in hand or is they are they different? So you can. So I over the course of the summer, I did a somatic parts work certification too. Okay. So they are two different things. Parts work is understanding that like we all have like a whole village of parts, I like to say, mm-hmm. um, within us. So Parts work is founded by Dr. Richard Schwartz. I'm not okay. sure if you've ever heard of him, but like if you're into reading, I know you mm-hmm. mentioned the body um, keeps the score, right? Mm-hmm. So he wrote a book called No Bad Parts. And I like I've it's heard actually, of this. You have heard. It's a fairly new like book. And, I feel like I've seen and, this somewhere. Yeah, it's probably a quarter of the size of The Body Keeps the Score. So you might be a little bit more motivated to read yeah, this. Yeah, maybe. Book. But it is, I love this book so much, truly. And like I said, it's coming from like the understanding that we all have parts. And, you know, even I think like in conversation, we can just naturally say that like, well, part of me feels really anxious about this. And then part of me Mm. feels quite excited about this, right? Or even in eating disorder recovery, it's like, well, part of me wants to do this. And part of me is scared to do this, right? And parts work really gives us that opportunity to see these parts as parts and all of, and like work with the parts within us. It's, it's really incredible. And then how parts work and somatic work kind of work Mm -hmm. together is working with that felt sense within us. So when a part shows up, so personal example here is I used to like really struggle with kind of trusting myself around food. And whenever I was like hungry, that's kind of where that part of me emerged, the part of me that felt like she couldn't trust herself. Right. Right. And there was always a sensation 
that mm-hmm. came along with that, right? And remember, when we're doing somatic work or working with a somatic through a somatic lens, we're very curious about those felt sense, the, that that sensation that comes along with the story we're telling or the part that we're working with, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started to recognize that tr- that part of me that didn't trust herself. I recognized that part come online through that felt sense. And that's really like one of the ways that somatics and parts work goes hand in hand. It's really incredible. That is really cool. Isn't it crazy? Like what our body is like. And hold on to. Hold on to and just like do. It's just like I'm always just mind blown about like what our mind can do and what it can do to us and stuff. But like I don't really think about the body that much. the nervous system and or I mean, even the like, nervous system like I don't even I just like it's not even a thing that I'm like thinking about but I guess because I'm so focused on like mind the mind well and I mean I think this is important for it would be just a shame if I didn't share this right now because this was this is a huge piece that I know a lot of my clients take away from our sessions mm-hmm. and you even kind of brought it up yourself right like with what you've worked through with your own therapist is like mm-hmm. having a lot of anxiety or like a lot of stress mm-hmm. and then like having all of these thoughts right yeah. and I picked up on that when you said that and even what you're saying now like oh we can be so focused on the mind and yes the mind's so powerful But guess what? Like our nervous system actually dictates our thoughts. So Mm -hmm. when we're in a sympathetic state, we're going to have those types of thoughts that reflect a sympathetic state, right? Right. So I have so much to do. And if I don't do this, everything's going to fall apart or I'm not going to be okay, right? right? Or I cannot rest because I have so much to do. And if I rest, if I slow down, I'm not going to be okay. Right. Very like anxious types of thinking. Right. When we're in that dorsal state, that's like, I'm so alone. I'm never going to get better. Healing is impossible. I'm never going to make any progress. I have no support in my life. What's the point? Mm hmm. Right. And then that combined state would be that free state. So that's kind of like a blend of sympathetic state and that dorsal state. And that's like, I have so much to do and I can't do any of it because I'm so overwhelmed. So it's kind of like that mobilization energy Mm -hmm. of like having so much to do, needing to do so many things, but feeling stuck because it's just too hard. You're just too overwhelmed. Right. right? And so that is so incredibly powerful to know, like, it's not that you have to like change your thoughts, not having to like change the way you think about things, right? right? There's nothing wrong with your thoughts. It's when we understand that our nervous system literally dictates how we're thinking uh-huh. Then what do we do? It's not about addressing the thoughts. It's about supporting the nervous system. Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. It's and so like, big. Why is, why is not every like person doing this? Yeah. Hey, I know. And just kind of going back to even like what you were sharing about your therapist, like in my somatic experiencing class, um, like I'm not trained as a therapist my background is in food and nutrition um, dietetics that sort of thing but the like 95% of the people in my class are therapists or psychotherapists like that sort of thing so you know it's really incredible because so many therapists do um, support their clients through this lens right that's cool yeah that's good to hear yeah you really need a mixture now that I yeah like just just an understanding of the nervous system right rather than just constantly following that cognitive story right right? it sounds like you 
did um, find a really amazing therapist that had a really good sense of what. Yeah, seriously. Not now that I am figuring that out. Okay. But what's an example? So just say you can recognize that your nervous system's like in a state of like, I don't know, like very stimulated or like stuck. Yeah. Like dysregulated. Yeah. Yeah. Dysregulated. (laughs) That would be the word. Um, So like, what would you do in that? position yeah so I actually literally recorded a podcast episode on this today for my show okay and I like like shared literally what happened to me this morning right okay and so I read something this morning and immediately I noticed like this tingling in my chest and just like a lot of uncomfortable activity happening in my chest right I felt dysregulated and then those thoughts followed It was, I'm not doing enough. I have so much to do and I can't even do any of this because I feel so overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. So having that knowledge that my nervous system, all of our nervous systems drive the stories that happen in our mind, right? Like they set the story, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever state our nervous system is in, our thoughts are going to follow, right? So right then I was like, wow, look at this freeze coming on, right? Mm -hmm. Wow, so interesting. And then we lean on our regulating resources because when we notice that we're in a state of dysregulation, whether that's sympathetic, dorsal, freeze, right? Mm -hmm. We want to bring in some access to ventral. Now, One of the best ways to do that is using our senses, like one of our five senses. So looking around the room, and I know this sounds so simple, but like we don't need to do these complicated things Mm -hmm. to be working with our nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So when we can identify that we are in that state of dysregulation, leaning on these resources that bring you into ventral. So can you look around the room and find something that feels good for you? Right. So Mm -hmm. this morning, like I said, I I totally leaned on my dog like all morning. Right. Right. Not that I needed her all morning, but I mean, I, I played with her all morning. It was the best morning ever. And so looking around the room, maybe finding something that feels good for you. So to my left here, I have like a bunch of plants next to my window. And I always like looking over at my plants, right? That Mm -hmm. always makes me feel good. So that might allow me to access a little bit more ventral. So that's one of our senses through sight, Mm -hmm. right? I have a mug of tea here. So we can taste something. So what's something that you can taste that feels good for you right now, even with tea, using our sense of smell, right. smelling that mug of tea, or if you're a coffee drinker or whatever it is. So using those five senses, playing around with what allows you to access what we call the here and now. And when mm-hmm. we're more in like the here and now, mm-hmm. that's a good clue that we're able to access that ventral state okay. of regulation. Right. Yeah. So my only thing that I'm thinking of is how do you not get this confused with anxiety? Because this feels exactly like anxiety. And it's like the exact same things that they teach you when you have like high anxiety. It's like, okay, you have to like regulate yourself and it's the five senses. Like that's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So anxiety, what does that tell us about your nervous system? high mobilization energy your nervous system is in a state of fight or flight right okay so it's like the same thing it's like anxiety yeah like it's just looking at it through a nervous system okay Okay. right where your nervous system is at and anxiety is basically a label for a sensation that we have right and that's another thing I talk a lot with my clients about is Like, okay, what if we were to not really give like everything a label? Because that's kind of what we do, right? It's like we're labeling something as anxiety when like, what does that show up like in your body? Right. Right? What what does that feel like? Mm -hmm. And then working with like a somatic practitioner who's anchored in ventral, 
and who can help you access ventral, then can we see how much anxiety or like, again, releasing that label, but how much of that um, felt sense, that sensation that we label as anxiety, how much of that can we be with Mm. before we need to hop back into ventral, for an example? Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Very interesting. <laughs> so many things to <laughs> well, I'm learn. I'm glad you find this interesting. Oh, I think it's so I do interesting. Too. I could talk about it forever. Well, obviously. <laughs> I think you would have to, otherwise it'd be a little problem. Um yeah, that's it's really cool. So I guess like the the simplest thing that people can do is if they feel themselves like feeling really dysregulated is yeah, the follow the five senses. Yeah. yeah, which is something everyone can take away from this. Yeah, if they're not doing that already, right? It's yeah, it's so helpful, and it just gives us a little bit more access to the here and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I feel like we could probably go on forever, but I feel like that would be really overwhelming. I'm already like, <laughs> oh my gosh, where's my brain at? <laughs> um. But before we do go, I finish every episode with some rapid fires. Fun. Yeah. So I ask everyone the same question. So it has like nothing to do with what we've talked about, really. I mean, maybe. I love it. Um, so there's five questions and just kind of like answer with whatever pops up. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> the first question is, what is something you do that makes you feel good? Ooh, I work out. I like working out, lifting nice. weights. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, what is something you value? My family. Yes, perfect. Uh, what is something you want to let go of? Ooh, a bunch of old clothes that I don't wear anymore. Oh, nice. No <laughs> one has ever said that. That's cool. Uh, why is something you're working on can be like literally anything? Ooh, I guess my somatic experiencing certification. I'm yeah. two modules away from graduating. So awesome. So exciting. And then your last one is how do you want to be remembered? Mm, and the first thing that like came into my mind, so I'll say it, is just like as a light in people's life. So yeah, that's, yeah. I think literally everyone who says the, like whatever their answer is, I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. Aww, it's, it's so really sweet. interesting yeah I can like usually pick up and if even if I don't know them I'm like mm, I'm pretty sure that's pretty spot on but um I love that before we go where can everyone find you social yeah. website how can people work with you like all the yes. plugs well thank you so much for having me on this was so much fun of course and yeah, I'm on Instagram. I am Meg Doll is my handle. I can okay. send that to you so you have it. And I guess you know me on Instagram. Yeah. But um, I am Meg Doll. And then my website is megdoll.com. And I also have a podcast of my own right. called Unbreakable You. Okay. And yeah, I work with clients one on one right now. I don't have like coaching programs or anything mm-hmm. like that. The work that I do is like super personal and intimate. So I work one-on-one with clients. You can be anywhere in the world, which is so nice. Mm -hmm. And we meet on Zoom. So I have like a link that I can share with you. I always schedule discovery calls with people just to like chat about where they're at, what type of support they're looking for and making sure we're a good fit. So important to make sure you click with, you know, whoever it is that you're working with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have everything linked and I'm also going to link those two books that we talked about. So the body keeps the score and no bad parts, the bad parts, no bad parts. Oh, no bad parts. No bad, (laughs) no bad parts, not the bad parts. No bad. (laughs) parts. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining and sharing all this. I learned so much and I hope that everyone who listens also learns so much and can kind of take something away from this, whether it's like, literally just working on deregulating yourself all the time um but yeah thank you I really appreciate it thank you I appreciate you all righty 
Well, there you have it. There's today's episode with Meg. I hope you loved it and learned something and now you're like super curious and maybe you want to go grab one of the books. So the books were No Bad Parts and The Body Keeps the Score. I definitely think I'm going to start with No Bad Parts, but I do already own The Body Keeps the Score. Anyway, I have both the books linked in um, our show notes as well as where you can connect with Meg and follow her online because she does have her own podcast and she shares a lot through her Instagram, which is really amazing as well. But anyway, I hope you loved the episode and as always, you know, I'm going to say it, uh, subscribe, like, share, do whatever you would like, or you cannot. It's totally cool too. Um, if this is a podcast you love and you want me to continue doing it, I would so love your support. But anyway, I hope you have a great week and I will see you next Tuesday.